Good afternoon. We are back. Some win by two with Spencer Porter and Hank Bichelle. It is another full, another beautiful Monday, and we've wrapped up some more weeks of sports, especially the NFL and college football. Sad to see the Utes lose a close one. Uh, they could have won, and they also could have lost by more if uh, Buddy would have just uh, sealed off the pick six. So uh, hard to just not give credit to Washington because they're they're wonderful. But the NFL is king and provided another crazy week. Five walk-off field goals. Great day by uh, kickers in general. Uh, but these young bucks, especially Chad Ryland uh, of the Patriots and Jake Moody of the, the 49ers, uh, they're, uh, they're not cl as clutch as others. Dustin Hopkins, game winner. Patterson for the Lions, game winner. Myers for Seattle, game winner. The list goes on and on, but a lot of clutch play from the special teams players that don't really get credit when they make all these tough uh, field goals, uh, but they sure get thrown into the fire uh, if they underperform. Typical week of some shocking things and you know others that, that weren't. Um, oftentimes we highlight every game, but we're, I mean, we know the scores. It's so easy to find a box score, but the, the Ravens-Browns was really a tell of two halves. The Ravens just came out killing the the Browns pick six by Deshaun Watson uh, and at one point it was 21 nothing I believe for the Ravens and then the second half Deshaun Watson goes 14 of 14 slices and dices and Dustin Hopkins well he has a game-winning field goal for the Browns and they beat the Ravens 33 to 31 they just keep winning as do the Steelers who are six and three uh, somehow but they still pull it off, and you know, Mike Tomlin, he's immune, immune to having a losing record. He just ain't that guy. He likes to win. Uh, but, Hank, what, what was a game or two or just a performance that really blew your mind uh, from Week 10 of the NFL? Mm, Got to go with Houston this week. Uh, you know, last couple, I think last three weeks, this dude, uh, C.J. Stroud, has just been on a roll. Big win after big win. Bengals have been hot. I think they were won their last four, if I'm not incorrect. But coming into this game, they both played good. Both had good games. C.J. Stroud, 356 yards. Uh, I think he's already got the rookie of the year locked up. I mean, he's been unreal these last couple of weeks. Been uh, really fun to watch. So I'm going to go with the Texans for my surprise of the week. So at the moment, Sam Howe leads the NFL in passing yards, but he's played one more game, hasn't had his bye yet and barely has more passing yards than C.J. Stroud. But Stroud, for all of the QBs that have only played nine games, uh, leads the NFL. So that means more than Tua and Goff and Mahomes, who are right behind him. And he's just been amazing, been electric. And guys that I didn't know as the season started, uh, Tank Dell, Noah Brown. I knew of Dalton Schultz. Uh, Nico Collins. Oh, Nico's there. All these guys are contributing, and Texans have, have been amazing. Uh, they had uh, their wacky loss to the Panthers, but they've beaten the Jaguars and just beat the Bengals. And so it's a, it's a wild world of football. But Houston would be the seventh seed at this moment, and it just shows how deep the AFC is as the Bills and Bengals find themselves on the outside looking in at the moment. And, and you know, as the team's in the eighth and ninth place spot. Um, but... Those teams in the NFC in those positions, 
you know, we have no respect for because they're, you know, they're really have no chance of a playoff run. But top to bottom, the AFC, like, I mean, I guess top from team, the first place team to the ninth place team, all those teams have shown that uh, they can really do some damage. In the end, I think we know the three teams that really have a chance uh, in the NFL, maybe give more credit to teams on, on each side of the conference. Um, but we'll have to wait and see how all that plays out. One team that is not in that position as they typically are is the New England Patriots. It's been it's been a sad season uh, for me. And the international games are over, and there were no fireworks for the last international game of the season. The Colts beat the Patriots 10-6. Uh, to 6. Um, Mac Jones is benched through one of the worst interceptions ever. Because of Mac Jones, we did not see a Mike Gisecki gritty in Germany because uh, he <laughs> underthrew the boy by 12 yards uh, and picked off by, I want to say, Julian Blackman. I hope it was him. Shout out to the Leighton High grad uh, in the state of Utah. The, the Patriots suck. At the bottom, sole possession of the bottom in the AFC, and they join... The Panthers, the Bears, the Giants, and the Cardinals. But good news for the Patriots. The Cardinals won yesterday. So so it's just the Panthers right now that's in front of you guys, right? Uh, yeah, the Patriots have a third place. Well, oh, Chicago's. Third to last locked up. Uh, but, but ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. Bye week for New England. Then their next game is against the Giants. So I sure hope you got Sunday ticket to watch that snooze fest. Um, Tommy DeVito, yeah, I never thought he'd play QB. You know, the joke about him, uh, DeVito, get out of my way. I'm trying to throw another interception. That's uh, that's what <laughs> that's what part of my take had to say about DeVito uh, last night because that's all he does. Uh, but, see, I, I dwell too much on, on my emotions, the team I love, but we got to talk about teams that actually matter this year. Um, some, some great teams, obviously the Chiefs and Eagles had buys. And while the Chiefs are on a bye, well, the Ravens lose and the Bengals lose. Uh, two teams that nationally people think can contend with the Chiefs. Um, but if this trajectory of the Bengals keeps happening, they won't even make it to the playoffs because the, the Browns and the Steelers keep winning. And it was a joke in September, but we're in November, and, well, the Steelers and Browns keep winning. So um, I don't know what to think about it, but some of these defenses have really delivered. Uh I don't know, Hank. What do you think about that AFC North? I mean, I vaguely remember us talking about this division when we did our uh, predictions back in August. Um, and I, I mean, we both said it's the most entertaining uh, division in the league. I mean, I'm, we're looking at it right here: seven and three, six and three, six and three, and five and four. There's not a team with a losing record in that division, and I mean, they're just tough. The Browns are going to make the playoffs. That defense is. Unreal. Like they, they can stop anyone right now. Minus twenty six point differential for Pittsburgh. And they're six and, it, and three. There you go. And they're 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 in second right now in that division. I mean the defenses in this division are just unreal. Cincinnati's I mean, they're in last and they probably have the worst defense out of the four, so it makes sense. But yeah, they, these this division is gonna spoil a lot of other AFC teams playoff hopes. And and like most uh quarterbacks, it's so so real with Lamar Jackson in his division that they, they just they read him they know how he works and they beat him up 
Mm-hmm. But then when he plays the NFC, he's only lost one game to an NFC team in his career. And so if Lamar can basically survive his division uh, and injuries, he has a chance to, you know, make the other AFC teams pay and obviously in the end have the opportunity to play an NFC team in the Super Bowl if the Ravens can do that. Um, but with that loss, the Chiefs have sole possession of first place. And the Eagles, yes, had a bye, but still have the best record in the league at 8-1. and one. I I don't know, before the show I was talking about that the NFC might be might be like last year. I mean, the Lions have changed it up a bit, but I think the Cowboys are going to play Tampa Bay. Uh, the NFC South is still just a headache, uh, but the Cowboys will probably play New Orleans or Tampa Bay and go win that game by multiple possessions. And then uh, San Francisco and Philadelphia will be in the mix. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Detroit. And also Minnesota, 5-0 in their last five. And that is all without uh, Justin Jefferson in the last two games without Kirk Cousins. And they just keep making things happen. They have the, the biggest winning streak in the season. Said, said that horribly. They have that biggest winning streak at the moment. And, yeah, the Vikings are hot. And they have a pretty weak schedule compared to the majority of the NFL. They do play the Lions twice at the end of the year, uh, but they uh, looks like they could keep winning. Josh Dobbs, even though they only won one game with the Cardinals, uh, has won two games now with the Vikings, and he's doing his thing. I mean, we've talked about this in past weeks after one more week has happened. The Lions and Vikings both won, and the Cowboys won. Do you think any of those three teams can mess with uh, San Francisco and Philadelphia? Um, I think Dallas can mess with Philly just because uh, it's that rivalry. Uh, no matter when they play, I mean, it's going to be an entertaining close game. I think that Detroit can hang with any of them just because of how well that offense is ran. And, I mean, that defense has really come together, too. They got some superstars on that defense. Um, and then who was the last one? Oh, Minnesota. As of right now, no, I don't think Minnesota could keep up with any of the other teams. Um, the last, I mean, the last two wins, it's been a great story for the Vikings and good bounce back wins against some teams. But if you look at the teams, it was the Falcons and the Saints. Um, not the greatest like strength of opponent, but they still. I mean, it's a win in the NFL. It's hard to get those. So I, I think I mean, they. I think they will make the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to be able to contend. Uh, just, I mean, without with all those injuries, it's tough. Yeah, and Minnesota's defense, uh, we focus so much on the offensive players. And, oh, TJ Hawkinson's great. Justin Jefferson, hopefully he can get back. Josh Dobbs, Jordan Addison's been great. And then the defensive side of the ball, well, you can't name as many defensive players as offensive players for a reason. They are just they just don't got guys this year on the Vikings' defense. The Raiders are 5-5. Five and five. They're 2-0 since firing McDaniels. Coach Pierce, uh, has shown that that relationship with his players is great, and they're glad that he uh, is the new head coach. They did they did get, get wins over the Giants and the Jets, though. So uh, their next three games are against the Dolphins, the Chiefs, and the Vikings. So, And then Chargers th- and Chiefs again. This is why you, you fire your coach, because it's, this is the right move, but also you fire him when the schedule lets up. And so part of it is good coaching, and the team's unified, but also... You know we're playing we're playing a bunch of stinker teams, uh, which adds to the 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 fun story that it is. Um, but 
uh, as Max Crosby said, uh, c come out, come out and support us. Uh, come out and watch. Want to see all of you? Uh, and they uh, will be at Miami uh, next week. So, boy, the Dolphins off by. Good luck. We want to trickle into an interesting article. Uh, as most articles are, they're way too longer than they need to be. Uh, the most difficult NFL football positions. Uh, we're, we will read you. There's 19. We'll read you 1 to 10, but we're going to focus on really the first five uh, according to howtheyplay.com. Cornerback, number one, and we continue respectively. Offensive tackle, quarterback, center, middle linebacker, strong safety, outside linebacker, tight end, at nine defensive end and free safety at ten. Uh, an interesting article, and of course, uh, we we love to critique everything these days. Um, you know what really is the most difficult NFL position, um, and offensive tackle. I believe. I mean, it's you got to add the opposite. Whatever hand your QB throws with, you go with the opposite position. So most of these teams, it's left tackle which is a crucial position. Um, I mean, I, I don't really want to look in uh, to this too much, but I I think I would maybe switch quarterback with offensive tackle, but DB is so difficult. People don't realize. Well, I, well I, I like to just compare. If these positions made a mistake, how costly would it be? Well, a DB makes a mistake, it's a touchdown, or pass interference, which in the NFL – is a spot penalty, so your pass interference can be a 40-yard penalty. PI in the end zone, they set, set the ball at the one-yard line. Uh, offensive tackle, the first mistake is, of course, we think of a false start, but if they get beat, your quarterback you know, might be done for the day. They get killed. Um, and quarterback, we all know, so scrutinized, it's so hard. Mac Jones and Zach Wilson have been playing bad. Um, I, but I feel bad. They're still human beings. They're, they don't try to just crush your dreams. They both threw interceptions in the fourth quarter um, when their team needed them. Uh, both both down by four points, so you got to get a touchdown, no field goal, and they both uh, just do the worst thing possible. Uh, it's so hard, and you just get that scrutiny. Um, center is more communication. The biggest mistake a center can make, really, I think, is you know snap infractions, false starts. Uh, the quarterback can usually get out of uh, whatever person you let through. or I mean, maybe if you don't handle a blitz well, he'll get sacked. But if a D lineman gets through, quarterback can probably scamper out of the way or, or throw it away before uh, they get killed. It's different with a left tackle because that blind side uh, is a real thing. A middle linebacker, I think, is sol solid uh, putting it there at number five. So difficult. You, you think of all the signals they have to call. And we focus so much that the quarterback, you know, usually have those green stickers in the NFL to show which helmets uh, accept communication. But there's communication defensively, and these middle linebackers are saying everything. And one play, one play, you get a blitz and have a, a fun opportunity to sack the QB the next play. You have to pick up uh, the running back that goes out for, you know, a dump off route. And then the play after that, you got to pick up a tight end in coverage. So. You know, imagine you you get a blitz against, I mean, we can just use the Chiefs. You blitz against Patrick Mahomes. Then the next play, you got to guard Isaiah Pacheco as he comes out of the backfield. And then the next play, you got to stay in stride with Travis Kelsey on one of his routes, uh, which is just a, no matter the team, it's a, it's a difficult opportunity. Um, 
But, I mean, there's my spiel of it. What do you think about uh, those positions, Hank, and, uh, you know, the order? Oh, I agree with a lot of stuff you say. Um, just to start, for sure, quarterback for me is either one or two. I think just because as a quarterback, you have to read so much. You have to do so much. Just like one play, you have to make sure like they're not um, going to blitz or they're faking a blitz or what covers they're in. But then obviously the cornerback or the DB, it's just like skill-wise, what you have to do, I would say, is number one. But I would put quarterback at the number one just because of how much you have to do, like how much more you have to do than just like one position. But my big thing was um, the kick and the punt returner was down at 17. And I think punt returning is one of like the scariest position in all sports. So I would definitely have that up. I would have that at like seven or eight. Um, I also, tight end, I think it would be a really tough position just because you got to do a little bit of what the line does and then do a little bit of what the receivers do. So you're getting hit a lot, and then you're also, you know, catching the ball, running routes. Um, other than that, I, I think it's a it's a pretty solid list. Uh, I didn't even think of, like, uh, the center of, what, like, what they have to do. That's definitely, uh, like, they have a good spot up there. Um, other than that, yeah, I would – I would probably keep it the same. When you have some, like, defensive tackle running back that are down at the bottom of the list, it's not really that hard. No. I mean, those guys are great athletes, but you just run. Yeah, and like you try to move a guy out of the way to get to another guy. And that's why some of these running backs haven't been getting paid because, I mean, honestly, there's a guy all the time you can pick up that can be a stud. There's, you know, there's 100-yard rushers all over the Power 5 conference on a weekly basis because there's a lot of guys that can just hit a hole and make a guy miss and run through some power and some do it better obviously in the past uh and right now when christian mccaffrey when he's healthy he's amazing um but it's interesting to look at that and while you're talking about the qb i was thinking of you know that those john gruden clips where you know you got alabama thanksgiving tree backside george reverse on two with a, a dolly hitch and you got to remember what all that means and and John Gruden says that so fast. And I think it's Mike Glennon in the video or someone. He can't get it right. And John Gruden's just just like, no, right go two, not left go five. And, I mean, it's it's crazy how just smart you have to be. Um, uh, G.J. Stroud, though, has been quoted as saying, I'm, I'm not a test taker, I'm a football player. And, and look at that. It's not all about the uh, – the, uh, the, mind games and the high intelligence you got to go out and perform it as well mm -hmm. um and and cardell jones uh late cardell jones has also been credited for saying I, I didn't come to play school uh you, you know these quarterbacks came to play ball came to do some great things and and they they get praised and boy oh boy do they get beat up if they have one bad game uh i think josh allen specifically is one week elite look at this guy he's amazing the next week what is he doing he's going to get himself killed he's reckless and it's just the narrative changes uh i think with quarterbacks quicker than than other positions um but linemen don't get enough credit especially those left tackles that's why some of them get paid so much um and i believe lane johnson's a right tackle but he hasn't allowed a sack for seasons uh, they do such a good job and and often play through injury. Those those guys just just do amazing things. 
wrapping up though we wanted to talk about just the the idea of replay another quote that books had instant replay way way before sports um but who reads anyway these days uh replay uh in the nba and nfl is it happens every game uh, i don't remember i mean no it happens every game uh the refs have to go look at something and i think it's it's a great thing it's good to get the call right but now some people want roughing the passer to be a reviewable penalty and the every time the ball goes out of bounds in the nba and now college under two minutes everyone wants a review uh so things get right and i think i I think with the NBA, it's been more of a problem. There's so many reviews and coaches' challenges. The last two minutes can take forever. Um, I I think ten a little percentage of the reason is because these reviews actually get you a free timeout and you can call what you want and take a breather. But I mean, they just they take forever. It's like the you know the top of the ninth and bottom of the ninth of a close baseball game. Uh, the emotion is there, the close game is there, but it just takes a while for it to resolve. My thing with, I, I just think roughing the passer, it's hard to call, it's a judgment call, but the NFL's there to make money. The top five quarterbacks are gonna get more calls than, I, I don't want anyone to get hurt, but if Desmond Ritter, uh, Mac Jones, uh, Sam Howell, even though I think I think he's awesome, uh, but you know these guys, if if they get lit up, and get hurt, well Tyler Heineke can come in and it'd be, it'd be okay. Will Levis can come in for Ryan Tannehill and be okay, but if Patrick Mahomes gets hurt or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow or Jalen Hurts, the NFL's in trouble. You lose money, ratings go down, things aren't as exciting, and so depending on the quarterback that gets hurt they might favor him more with these roughing the passer penalties. But it's so inconsistent because you can't go too high, you can't go too low, and you can't take them all the way to the ground. They just expect uh, inertia to not be a thing in these huge D tackles who, you know, Nick Bosa gets paid to sack you. Max Crosby gets paid to sack you. TJ Watt sometimes only makes two tackles a game, but they're both sacks. Miles Garrett is paid to sack you. And if they're just a second off, uh, they can't just let up. They can't just jump to the side. Uh, and it's been so hard uh, of a call for these D tackles because and D ends. If they touch you, it seems like it's just going to be a penalty. Um, I don't know. What what do you think about that, Hank, adding more replay uh, verdicts to penalties in the NFL? I think, um, I don't know, replay is like – it's weird for the NFL because, like you were just talking about the rough and the passer, I think they've had a problem with that for the last, like, I would say the roughing the passer has become a really, really big problem in the NFL since Chris Jones hit Tom Brady in the 2018, 2017 AFC division or championship game. And you know what happened. They went on to win the Super Bowl that year. But, like, he hit him. It wasn't – like, he didn't even go to the ground. It wasn't a tackle. He just, like, hit him on the shoulder or something. They flagged it. I think ever since then they they have not been able to get, like, a definite answer on what roughing the passer is. And so it's always changing. Like you said, it depends on the quarterback. Who Like, if Mahomes gets hit really hard, they're going to throw the flag. Russell Wilson takes a shot to the head. Most of the time they're not going to throw the flag. So I think 
for roughing the passer and maybe um, pass interference as well, I wouldn't hate the idea of those being able to be reviewed just because they're never consistent with what they call. Like it's it, um, the criteria changes on every player, and obviously it shouldn't be that way. So I wouldn't hate um, roughing the passer being able to be reviewed and challenged a little bit. And so you make a good point. If if we can review roughing the passer, then well, we should be able to review offensive and defensive pass interference. And maybe now we have to review if there was an eligible man downfield. And so it will you'll get the call right, but it will make the game take longer and lots of re reviews. And I I almost think you got to just adjust to the the refs almost. Uh, these different crews they have different emphasis, but it's a it's a tough tough job. I mean, here at college, I've never met anyone that says, I want to grow up and be an official. No one likes doing this, uh, especially, you know, soccer. No no one in America wants to ref soccer. His parents are just ridiculous. And so... And you got to run for four miles. Yeah, tracking a box. Um, but I, it, it, it's a hard thing, uh, whether it should be reviewed or not, because then you have, you know, examples of, when it's called in the first half, not a big deal. But the fourth quarter, when it's called, it changes everything. Changes the playoffs, changes the Super Bowl, changes who wins the division. And so they're going to have to come to some sort of common ground. Um, and if you can review up until the two-minute warning, maybe that's part of this fixing the problem. But then when it happens under two minutes, that's when it really, at a yeah. bigger magnitude, you're still uh, at an issue. They got, the falling on top of them. Is what it's the worst one of the worst rules to me because there's no way they can change that. Yeah, I like you, you're going so quick. It's even when the DBs hit a defenseless defenseless receiver. If the if the if the receiver would have caught the ball, he wouldn't be it defenseless. Been a clean hit. If if he drops the ball, well, he's defenseless, and then he gets killed uh, by a DB who is just trying to do his job. And you know, not. The majority of NFL players aren't Montez Perfect or whatever his name was for the Bengals, where he's just out to kill you. Uh, he's he's a reckless player, uh, but most of these guys are just trying to play some good football and not let you score. So it's so difficult, and I think with the the NBA, I, maybe we lean more. The NFL could have more reviews, but I'm almost on the NBA side that there's there's too many reviews. Um, well, I don't know. I'll just explain. I'm held up on, on the out-of-bounds calls under two minutes in the NBA and in college because slow-mo says it all. It shows you these deflections and whose finger it went off last. Um, but, you know, like holding can be called every play in the NFL, technically. You could probably call a foul every time in, in basketball. But as these guys are fighting for rebounds or trying to get a steal late in the game, a lot of times you foul the guy but barely you still hit him a tiny bit or you hitting his arm made the ball go out of bounds but as we go we go review that maybe their arm hit the other player's arm but his hand his fingers are the last you know part of the body to touch the ball as it goes out of bounds so it did go off that guy but really he he was fouled but he wasn't hammered and you're not going to call a foul at a tie game with 17 seconds left uh, and and change the whole game, and those moments are are so difficult, and and sometimes well, a lot of times these guys go up uh, trying to get a bucket and they probably do get fouled, but you almost got to get just 
tumbled over and trampled for these officials to call a foul late in the game uh, because, you know, people hate when it, the game's won by a free throw. Uh, you know, when Anthony Davis made a free throw to win the All-Star game two years ago. I mean, that was exciting. Come on. So, you know, I don't, I don't explain it the best, but just sometimes I think possessions should stay with teams because the dude was technically fouled. Um, and that's the call the official made was, uh, I mean, we, you almost give them the ball instead of calling a foul, but then you go on review and it was off of him, but there was a little bit of contact, but not enough to be a foul. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, it just also, it, basketball reviewing is so like, um, objective, like, because you could, like you're saying, if they tip it out of bounds and they go to review the review box they're going to look at who touched the ball so like there can be a foul but that's not what they're going to review so they can't call anything so that's like why it it, it's good and it kind of sucks it just depends on what like situation you're in because it can't change a call if it's not being um the one like requested to be reviewed and i will say there's i mean maybe it's once a month they miss a goaltending or basket interference call and sometimes it's not even reviewable. And I think that yeah. just like that's an easy thing to review. The NBA can review. And it's disappointing when when that can happen. I think I think, you know, a few years back that's helped the Jazz and hurt the Jazz as Rudy Gobert's had some blocks taken away from him that were called goaltending, which weren't, but also I mean Yeah. He, was it against the Mavericks? Was it, it was Damian the, Lillard? It was, the, it was the Blazers. When when Rudy pinned Damian and Damian goes crazy because it was goaltending by Rudy Gobert. So uh, that's that's a tough call to, to get right. But I, I stand that basketball is the hardest sport to officiate because you just – ten guys on the court and rebounds, you just don't know which way the ball is going to go. There's more structure in football uh, because there's a break between every play and, you know, one guy's going to get the ball. You, in seven seconds, all five players could have touched the ball in basketball and – people just land on other people's feet again it's just it's so hard maybe the funnest sport to play so hard to officiate would you agree oh 100 percent. i mean like you were saying with football it's organized chaos i mean you have the line they're all going to hit right here there might be some contact down there that you got to watch on each side of the line of scrimmage but basketball it's a free-for-all i mean there's usually four refs a game right three depending on where you play um, and there's so there's less there's less refs than I thought you gotta watch more players and then it's just kind of just like a free for all with basketball so yeah I agree with you it's I would say um, football is one of the football and soccer are probably the easier ones and baseball and basketball are the harder ones it I mean we appreciate what officials do uh, but they occasionally make horrible calls that some fan bases just will never forgive. Uh, but it is it is tough, and I will say I think NFL refs still do an amazing job. They get so so much right, and basketball is so so hard to officiate. Um, but I think I just think men's basketball is so physical. I I think NBA. I think NCAA men's basketball. They should get six fouls if no one can get behind that. I think if the game goes into overtime, everyone should uh, get an additional personal foul. So you should 
be able to have six personal fouls in college. I hate that. And just I think they should have six, but the overtime rule. But what if you foul out like ten minutes to go in regulation? Well, then maybe you, if it goes in overtime, you can get back in. That's a crazy rule. But I I just can't I can't stand the when a guy gets two fouls in college basketball in the first half, and you're just going to be like, oh, is the coach going to sit him because he has two, or is the coach going to let him play? Because uh, everyone has a different al- algorithm or formula, but I think a lot of times coaches foul their player out before they actually foul out themselves. Um, but it it all it all it always depends just how the game is flowing and how much time is left in the half. Um, when they pick up their second personal, but you know it can just be bad luck, a, a bad charge call, and then out of frustration, or you know a contested, a contested shot where you think your guy blocked it, but they called the shooting foul on him. So on the offensive side of the ball, he just ran over a guy, picked up a charge, and then just fouled uh, a guy on help defense that was going in for layup that looked like a block. And blink your eyes, he has two fouls, and well, do you sit him? Do you? keep him out there. It's always a tough decision. Uh, Kyle Filipowski had two fouls for Duke uh, in the first half against Arizona. He stayed in. Um, but I, the old uh, Dave Rose for BYU, if you picked up two fouls in the first quarter, no matter the situation, you were coming out. Um, and so, I I mean, one way to resolve that, just give him six. And I think college players should have six, for sure. Or I, I mean, they would never... They would never only allow it in tournaments, but like, it just I think March Madness would be more exciting if there's six personal fouls. You you could argue maybe more upsets. I mean, if the 15 seed has one one stud, and he is there in early foul trouble, well, they're gonna get rolled. Uh, but having an extra personal foul obviously gives you the opportunity to to avoid having foul trouble. Um, but the game's still beautiful uh, with five fouls. And come on, just play defense without fouling. That's just—I mean—that's what coach will tell you. Um, but with the with our suggestions, because we think we know everything and our tweaks and what we're okay with. All in all, it's a beautiful game, and the NBA and NFL have been so fun to watch uh, in this month in November, and we'll continue to do so um, as Week 11 will will start in a few days. But Week 10 finishes tonight. Uh, Bills Broncos. What do you think is going to happen uh, in this matchup, Hank? Um, you know, I've been talking to a lot of people actually today about this game, and I've been hearing a uh, quite a bit of um, some belief in my Broncos, and it actually is pretty surprising. Some people have told me that they think they're going to actually win, and I wish I was one of them. I really wish we, we were going <laughs> to win tonight, but. I don't know, Josh Allen off of a loss. It's in Buffalo. Russell Wilson in prime time. It's just a lot of these ingredients. I've been here before, and I've watched them get smoked too many times to count. So, I mean, I think if the Broncos can run the ball like they did against the Chiefs two weeks ago, they'll, they'll beat them. Buffalo doesn't have a good run defense, but scrap all that. I think we're losing by 20. Will, what's, what's Williams' name, the running back? Javante. Javante Williams predicted to have a big game, as what a lot of you know, fantasy football gurus think. Um, I think the start of the season, the Broncos' defense was was horrible, 
and the Bills defense was really good, and the Bills defense has declined, sadly, to injuries, and the Broncos defense has gotten better. So uh, it's a closer, evenly matched game than, than you think. Uh, if we haven't been paying attention to a lot of scores, the Bills have more losses than we think, and the Broncos have more wins than most people think. Uh, their last few weeks have, have been good. So I think it's going to be, be a close game. Uh, and by the start of the fourth quarter, I, I think, you know, you'll have a, a 17-14 lead, you know, 13-17 lead by one team. I, I, I don't know who. Uh, I'm done predicting Monday night football. I thought the Niners were going to beat the Vikings, and oh, the list goes on and on. Um, but it's going to be better. <laughs> we had, I mean, we had the Bears and Panthers on prime time <laughs> to start week 10. Last night we had the Raiders-Jets. And tonight we have the Bills and Broncos. So this uh, this is this is going to be the most fireworks I think of the primetime games. Maybe we'll actually have some some touchdowns, uh, a lot of field goals. Uh, mm. Bears and Panthers had. I mean, we we saw a touchdown, but Bears and Panthers a lot of field goals. The Jets, Greg the leg, strictly field goals. Um, so we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, I I don't know. I'll, I'll go with the Broncos. Oh, I, oh! I, I have no idea. Um, we got Spencer but, root for the Broncos. But no matter how this game goes, if you're not you're not satisfied with a with a close game, just wait till Thursday. Ravens, Bengals. That's gonna be be an absolute uh, fight on the gridiron. Uh, we're running out of time, a little bit over time for what we wanted to do today. So we will just give a shout out to. Not sure how to. I mean, it was not a win or a loss. It was just maybe the greatest regular season soccer game of the year. Uh, Man City and Chelsea tie 4-4. Four to four. Uh, Neither team was ever up by two. So we were going back and forth in the rain, in the prime time. It was an early start for us, but across the pond, the sun had already set, and it was under the lights. An absolute, absolute banger of a game. The three goals by each team, and then a penalty uh, by each team. Penalty kick by each team, still a goal, obviously. But I mean, come on. And so, uh, a crazy game, and they both get a point for it. Uh, four four. It was amazing. And what I thought was also soccer was actually American football. Uh, Kenya beat Uganda fourteen to zero. The Kenya White Rhinos in the East African region. Beat the Uganda Generals 14-0. So great job there by the White Rhinos getting the shutout victory. And uh, did not know we had a American football going on in, in Africa. It's a qualifier. So uh, maybe the Kenya White Rhinos can continue to make some noise. And maybe Uganda can bounce back. I'm glad it was football. I was scared. We were scared it was soccer because uh, we just assumed. I mean, Sorry. Uh, soccer is the biggest sport in the world, so we thought it was soccer, uh, but it was football. So only a two two possession loss. Uh, I mean, that would have been a fourteen possession loss <laughs> in soccer. So uh, good for the Kenya White Rhinos. They're uh, they're the big winners of the week uh, of something that you just did not know existed. Um, they'll be back in action if I'm reading this correctly in Nairobi on December twelfth. So. Uh, they got plenty of time to learn from learn from this uh, victory, and keep things rolling. So, okay, maybe if I'm reading this correctly, they're gonna play each other again on December twelfth. First leg. Yeah. So, I don't know if there's an aggregate, but it, it it's a it's a back to back. 
just a month apart. So more, more information on that. Uh, but the Kenya white rhinos, as far as I'm concerned, in the short research I've done, I want to know. So look out for them. Um, <laughs> but thanks for being with us on 913 The Blaze. This will be archived wherever you get your podcasts through Utah Tech Radio. Uh, but this has been one by 2 with Spencer Porter and Hank Pichelle. We'll be back next week for week 11 of the NFL season, recapping that and talk a little bit more about some college football um, as the season winds down and Michigan and Ohio State will finally play. Rivalry week next week, right? Is that next week or the week after? I think a little bit of both. I think two weeks. Two weeks uh, is Colorado-Utah, so... That can be good, but for the moment, I'm just grateful those Wolverines were able to beat those Nittany Lions without Coach Harbaugh. We love you, man. I love you, man. Uh, they'll they'll play Ohio State soon. Oh my goodness, uh, at Ohio State this time. Well, who knows where John Harbaugh will be? Maybe the NCAA will have assassinated him by then. Um, but I I think he's going to the NFL. Anyway, have a great rest of your day. We'll see you next week. And back to the music on 91.3 The Blaze.